July was Disability Pride Month. This is something few people are aware of, despite there being more than 42 million Americans who live with some form of disability. We learn about accessibility and advocacy from Miss Wheelchair Wisconsin after the music. Welcome to the Upwards Podcast, an initiative of Upper House on the campus of the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Through meaningful conversations, we explore the life of the mind and questions of the soul to enrich our university, our community, and the church. Be sure to subscribe and give us a rating on your preferred podcast service, and check out our upcoming events at upperhouse.org. Hello, and welcome to Upwards. I'm your host, Dan. Here at Upper House, we're privileged to partner with Annie Heathcote, an amazing graphic designer who produces most of our promotional work and imagery. She also happens to be this year's Ms. Wheelchair Wisconsin, and she's a significant advocate for disability awareness and accessibility in the state. Our senior writer, Susan Smetzer Anderson, sat down with Annie to talk about her life, advocacy work, and Upper House's upcoming event on August 10th, Accessibility in the Church, an Honest Conversation, where Annie is a keynote speaker. Check out upperhouse.org events to register. Annie Heathcote is from Mazomany, Wisconsin, and was recently crowned Ms. Wheelchair Wisconsin 2023. She's a frequent speaker at events and has been interviewed for radio, podcasts, newspapers, social media, and television. Growing up with a form of muscular dystrophy, she brings deep perspective of what it takes to negotiate a world of obstacles and educate people whose knowledge of disability is limited. We hope you enjoy this Upwards conversation with Susan and Annie Heathcote. Well, today I'm thrilled to be talking with my dear friend and colleague, Annie Heathcote, who works with me at Upper House on graphic design. And Annie, I just am excited that you're here and hope that we have this great conversation that I know will bless many. Yeah, thanks for having me today. I'm excited to be on this podcast. Annie, I'm excited that you're here with me today and also excited that our listeners will get to know you much better, I hope. And I want to invite you just to open up our conversation and share about who you are and what you do as a professional person, but also as a disability advocate. Yeah, so a little bit about me. Um, I'm 24 years old. I live in Dane County more specifically Mazomania, Wisconsin, the small town west of Madison. Um, I am a graphic and web designer, and I have my own business doing freelance, so Opera House is actually one of my main clients, so that's super cool that I'm able to do a lot of the event branding, social posts, and I really loved my time uh, working for Opera House as an independent contractor. Um, and then more in my personal life, I do a lot of different things um, outside my job. I'm really involved with my community and my church. I sing at church and volunteer and teach Sunday school. I also play power soccer on the weekends and practice for like three hours almost every Saturday. I like to travel. And wow. my main role right now is actually uh, Miss Wheelchair Wisconsin, going to different events, advocating However, I can, um, even representation in general is huge. So like interviews, TV, newspaper, magazines, um, any way to spread disability awareness, um, I'm really thankful to have the opportunity for, so, yeah. 
you you are one busy person. I have been in awe of how much you manage to get done in your daily life, especially given the type of disability that you are um, living with. And I wonder if you could tell us more about exactly what it is that your disability is. Mm -hmm. So I have a disability called spinal muscular atrophy. And basically it makes my muscles really weak and tighten up. So I'm not able to walk. I um, am in a power wheelchair and that's what I use to get around. It gives me a lot of independence. Um, I can still move pretty well. Um, It's just very limited, but I choose to focus on the things I can do instead of things I can't. And um, Mm -hmm. I'm able to live a full and fulfilling life. I've noticed that about you. You are actually an amazing artist and you're also a nail artist and our Mm -hmm. audience won't be able to see this, but whenever Annie does her own nails, she paints these intricate designs on them. And I'm like, there is no way Mm -hmm. on God's green earth that I could ever do my nails the way Annie Heathcote can. So you are though just an artist and you're also very, um, capable and always trying to find things to do with the creative gifts that God has given you. And I just wonder if you can tell us more about how you see God as a giver of gifts in your situation. Yeah. So I, I just go about life as just wanting to try things. You know, a lot of times people growing up, they try to tell me what I can't do and what, you know, my limitations. And Hmm. I just looked at it as, you know, they set the bar really low and I'm like, well, I might as well exceed mm. that. I might as well try. Um, I have this kind of saying that I, I fear regret more than failure and it helps me take a lot of chances. And when I try something, sometimes I do have natural skill and gift that the Lord has given me. And sometimes I don't, but then I look at, do I enjoy this? And if I enjoy it, do I want to spend the time and energy it takes to get better at it? And how can I use this gift to serve Mm. others? And that's my mindset Mm -hmm. going into it. And I do that in everything I pursue. And I think God doesn't call us to be perfect. He calls us to excellence. He calls us to do our best. And as long as I'm bringing that to the table and everything I'm doing, then that's enough. And that's how I can serve him. That's one of the things that's really blown me away about you, Annie, is that you are fearless and you look at the world as full of possibilities and you look at yourself, I think, in a way that other people who don't know you may not do. Um, They may see you as disabled with quotes around disabled. And that's, I think, a word that you and I need to unpack together. Um, How do you think that word has been used and misunderstood? Yeah, so I think, you know, we all want to be respectful and we all want to learn and, you know, know what people prefer to be called. But I I don't think disability is a bad word and I don't think it has to be. Because, like, if you look at, um, you know, how we're, cla- like, classified as having a disability, you know, you have to be disabled for certain things. For example, you know, calling up Social Security and, like, if you tell them, I'm differently able, they're going to be like, what does that even mean? Or if you go to your doctor and say (laughs) that I, yeah, you have special needs, they're going to be like, well, how does that help for insurance purposes? You know, so for some things, 
you literally mm-hmm. have to be classified as disabled. And um, mm-hmm. going about that, I guess, I just, it's not a bad word. And, you know, I'm very proud to be a part of the disability community. You know, it's a community that's had to mm. really fight for everything that we have today. And there's still such a long way to go, mm. but I'm proud of the experiences and achievements, the struggles and the history and just the advocacy in general that mm-hmm. we've done as a collective community. And I I think if we try and sugarcoat the word disability, we're taking away from those things. And I don't think we should be. Mm. I really appreciate that perspective. I know that in different environments I've been in, say the public schools or um, higher education in general, we're always trying to tweak our terms so that we treat treat people with dignity. I think the mm-hmm. real goal around a lot of the butting with language is to assure that we treat people as whole people and and esteem what they are able to do. But sometimes I think our language gets us in trouble. We actually trip up a little bit with mm-hmm. trying to be so sensitive that we don't really honor the fact that there is work involved every day and contending with a disability. Yeah, and, and I, um, I totally agree I know with that I, too. Like I, I'm not shying away from that at all. Like I think it's good to to gain knowledge and be respectful of. Um, what people like to be called or considered. And each person is different. And obviously I have a disability and mm-hmm. I can speak to what I know, but I obviously don't re- represent the whole community. So I, I want to acknowledge mm-hmm. that also. Um, and mm-hmm. I I think it's great that we want to learn and share our knowledge and, um, mm-hmm. you know, just ask people. Mm-hmm. And if you're unsure of what how to classify them, the best thing you can do is just, get to know them and ask their name just like you would anybody else. So, you know, we don't always have to use that language mm-hmm. or, yeah. Mm-hmm. So when you were a child, what was it like for you? Like going to school as an elementary school student, what was, what was life like? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So growing up at first, I just never really knew I had a disability. I didn't really see myself as different. But then, of course, when you're around kids that are really different from you and then you realize, you know, that's actually the norm and then you're the one that's different. And then it creates this whole dynamic of like, you know, why I was made this way and just kind of navigating life of like everything, everything average I want to do is so much harder. And there's so many more hoops to jump through. And I have so much um, less time and energy to do that. And so I think that's where like. I, my hard working tenacity has come from is because I've just known I've had to work harder for everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I would say growing up, you know, I think there's just ups and downs, but I would say that everyone was pretty much really respectful of me and just treated me as they would everyone else. And I know mm-hmm. not everyone has that experience, so I'm really thankful that um they just saw me as a person and really respected who I was mm-hmm. as I, because I made a point to show that to them. And I think, you know, you treat others how you want to be treated. And, and that was very true in my life. So Annie, I'm really curious because you are very entrepreneurial. Um, you do have a natural assertiveness. 
And I'm wondering how did that natural assertiveness develop? Were you taught to be that way or did somebody model it for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say, uh, I think for sure my identity and confidence comes from Jesus and that's where, that's like the foundation of it. But um, with the life experience of growing up and having a disability, I've just learned that um, you really have to speak up and advocate for yourself in every situation because if you don't ask or don't speak up, people just don't know. There's just a lack of education. Mm -hmm. And as much as people do care, they just don't know so that nothing happens. So I've just always, Mm -hmm. you know, stood up for myself and you, you know, you want to do it in the right way of being respectful, but I, I attribute a lot of that to my disability and, you know, I've gone through a lot of challenges and hard situations, but I know it's only made me stronger because in life you Mm -hmm. are going to have pain. You are going to have to stretch out of your comfort zone but that only makes you stronger. Like think about like your comfort zone as like rings on a target. You know, as you as you push past those boundaries, your your comfort zone is going to be bigger and bigger. And then you're able, then God is able to fill that circle with more of His purpose. And then you're able to follow His good plan for your life. So so as much as people try and limit that circle around us. God is asking us to fulfill his big purpose. And if you say, yes, Lord, send me, then all things are possible through Christ. And he's able to do so much more than anybody would have ever thought with your life. And I've seen that time and time again throughout my entire life. I would love you to give us a couple of examples of how that has worked itself out. Yeah, so uh, one really cool story is um, I actually drive a vehicle independently. Um, Yeah, which doesn't make any sense at all because I really can't do a lot of things myself and I need a lot of caregivers to help me with my personal cares, but I am somehow able to drive a car. And I knew this uh, when I was a teenager and I went to my family and I actually saw a woman at a disability expo and she was driving a car and she had less mobility than me. And she gave me a lot of hope. And like, I was able to see the generation ahead of me and know what was possible. And I try and do that for the next generation. Um, but then I, I saw her and I knew it was possible. I went to my my parents and I'm like, I'm gonna drive. And they're like, you're insane. And I'm like, but I'm gonna do it. <laughs> and they're like, well, figure it out. You know, so that's like, okay, you want this to happen? Put in the time, effort and energy needed to make that happen. And not only did I do that, but I, I'm just very thankful to say I have a very great uh, support network of people in my church, in my community, in my family. You know, not everyone is going to believe in your goals and dreams right away, but if you feel that in your heart, if you feel that desire and good purpose in your heart from the Lord, like that's Him saying something. And I think it's good to mm. listen to that no matter what adversity you face. Um so I pursued that, and it was a lot of ups and downs, tears and prayers. Um, but two and a half years later, I got my adaptive accessible minivan, and I just I don't take even driving for granted because it took so much work to get there, and it's so special. Mm-hmm. And now I'm able to take that knowledge 
and shorten that process for um, parents and teenagers that reach out to me that say, hey, I saw your YouTube video on how you drive. Like, I know it's possible. Can you tell me how to do it? And then I'm able to walk them through the process um, so that they can have their dream too. God puts us in certain situations so that we can then help and empathize with others. You know, he he Mm. uses our situation for good. And it's not all about Mm. us, you know. It's it's sometimes you go through a challenge so you can help someone else. Mm -hmm. I was wondering how you actually went about getting the van. Mm Because it wasn't a straightforward process. No. Um, So I got my permit, like I took the test, obviously studied before it. Um, And then there was a company called Master's Driving School. They would come out and bring their accessible vehicle so I could get my 30 hours of training in. And then after that, I took the driver's test, passed. And then, um, and you would think that's it, right? You know, most people get in their parents' vehicle and drive it around. But no, I actually had to have kind of a long break in between that um, and get a base vehicle and then the state put in the adaptions. So it was just a lot of paperwork, a lot of meetings and coordinating. And yeah, so it was Mm -hmm. a lot. That's one of the things that you make people, well, let me put it this way. When you do these things, it can look on the surface as though it's just all come together. But that is not the case at all. Mm. You really have to think through all the different steps. If there's an agency to get in touch with, what the paperwork is to fill out. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not an uncomplicated thing to pull these things off. And even getting up every day for you is um, you have to make time. You have to Mm -hmm. take time to do the basics of life. And some of us just whip through it. So um, can you just walk me through a day? Yeah. So uh, basically I get up around 6 a.m. I have a caregiver shift, depending on what I need that morning. It takes honestly like two and a half to three hours, depending. Um, And someone's like, you know, how does it take that long? Well, if you think about it, like every little thing that you do to care for yourself you kind of, it's just kind of muscle memory. You just kind of automatically do that. But for me, I have to explain every little thing to someone else so that they can help me. And that's a lot where my advocacy comes from too. Um, So for example, the next time you're brushing your teeth, like think about how would you explain that to somebody? Like, you know, you put the toothpaste on the toothbrush and then you like, where do you start? Do you start at the front and Do you do side to side? Do you do circles? And then what do you do after that? Like every little thing that we unconsciously just do, like I have to articulate that. And so that's why the routine takes a long time. And then just the act of helping someone else. And then obviously I have more complicated care. You know, a lot of people see me and I'm all put together, but there's a whole Mm -hmm. like other side to my life where they don't see me, you know, early Mm -hmm. in the morning. They don't see how much work goes into just living every day. So after I get up, um, I tend to work on uh, client work, graphic design work in the morning. And then I have another shift at noon, usually an hour and a half. And then after that, I'll go outside and work on my phone. So I can do some work on my computer, some on my phone. Mostly the phone work is like 
calls, emails, text messages, just anything I can do on there so I can like be outside too and like, you know, somewhat enjoy more of my day. And then um, then I have another care shift in the afternoon. And then after that, I usually work back at my computer and then I have a care shift to go to bed. So really I work from sun up yeah. to sundown. And the thing a lot of people don't mm-hmm. think about is I have to coordinate all that care. My disability is literally a full-time job. Those eight out, eight plus hours of care I have every day is someone's full-time job. And then I work on those off hours in between every second I have mm-hmm. because I have so much responsibility that my disability brings with it. People with disabilities get categorized as people who don't work and, you know, we're just living off the government, all the stuff. It's like we are one of the hardest working groups out there because not only do we have to fight for everything we have, uh, we put in we have less energy and we put in more time and effort a lot of the time because it doesn't come easy. Mm-hmm. And just to live every day, I have to coordinate all my care, find caregivers, train and hire them. And then, you know, because it's like if I don't do that, Who's getting me out of bed so I can live my life that day? And it's this whole thing. And I don't get a shift off. You know, I do. My caregivers get the weekends off or whatever. But yeah, I'm there day after day. And it it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really tough sometimes. Then I think about like, you know, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And every morning when I wake up, I, I open my eyes and I say... Jesus, thank you for this opportunities. I pray you help me do my best and you do the rest so that you and others may be blessed. And it puts my mind in the right mindset every morning so that I can give my best for the Lord and accomplish and help others. Because when we take the focus off ourselves and focus on others, that's, that's the real gift of life when we're able to contribute and serve in those ways. And I honestly look at um, my caregiving as my mission field. That's my ministry. I'm able to I'm able to talk to my caregivers. Like they care for me physically, but I'm I care for them mentally. And when they need to talk to me or mm-hmm. when they need to vent about something, I'm there for them. I'm giving them wise counsel. We laugh, we cry. Like it's it's a fun friendship. And you know, as hard as it is sometimes to go through shift after shift. It's an opportunity to talk to somebody and grow a friendship. And I'm really thankful for mm-hmm. all the people I've been able to meet and all the perspective I, I've been able to gain through other people. One of the things you and I were talking about one day was um, about the spiritual side of your disability or more likely a theological side. And um, I know some people might wonder if God caused your disability, they might have like a little bit of a theological question that lurks in the back of their mind. And I wonder if you could share your perspective on that. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, Well, I guess the way I've kind of wrestled with that question, you know, sometimes I wonder like, why God, why me? And like, why does everything have to be so difficult? And honestly, God didn't intend that for it to happen. You know, we live in a fallen world. That's that's how it is. And it's it's necessary to grieve and lament. And that's okay. That's part of the process. And to feel those feelings and really confront them and do a lot of introspection that way. 
Um, and even just wondering, like, why, why some people suffer more than others or deal with certain mm-hmm. sufferings. And I think mm-hmm. I know that God hides and reveals certain knowledge to us. And maybe instead of asking the question, why is this happening to me? We can say, how can I use this circumstance and suffering to serve you and help others? Because like I said before, mm-hmm. it's not always about us. And God can use our brokenness and story to help someone else because mm-hmm. we can relate to them on a whole nother empathetic level and mm-hmm. with those life experiences that we share. And every time we do that and we rely on Jesus and he is our anchor and our strength, he is honored and glorified and we live life for his purpose amid that, that suffering and almost offering up like a sacrifice of praise. And I know that God mm-hmm. doesn't give us more than, than we can handle and he'll use mm. our situations for his good and his glory. So I would just really encourage people to keep the faith, run the race and fight the good fight because we all have a purpose mm-hmm. and we can all make a great impact in this world. And, you know, when when God uses our story because of the circumstances we've gone through, you know, it, it's just that much more powerful to encourage and inspire and comfort others and ultimately point them to Jesus. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit laid on my heart um, a few years ago was just that suffering is temporary, even though it may last a lifetime. And we already have victory in Christ um, for what he did on the cross. And if you're a believer, you have eternal life in heaven. This isn't our final home. This is just, you know, on the way there. And, And so I intend you know, I don't need to live a long life. I just intend to live a full one. And I, I want to make every day mm-hmm. count, no matter how difficult it is. And that's just really the mindset mm-hmm. I try to have every day. Wow. I wish I had that mindset. <laughs> there are some days I wake up and go, oh, it's another day. <laughs> you know, yeah. I kick the dog off the well, bed. Yeah. I get up and slog through the kitchen. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and I take a lot for granted. In all honesty, I do. I take a lot for granted. And yet, when I really stop to think about the things I am grateful for, they are so numerous. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. just appreciate that you bring that spirit into all of our conversations, mm-hmm. too, Annie. Um, I'm curious, when did you first really become convinced about Jesus? Yeah, so it was um, <clears throat> just a really young age because I just felt like I had to grow up a lot faster um, I had to make, you know, life-altering decisions as a young child concerning my health. And it it just really brought a certain maturity to my life. And um, I guess just even asking those questions of why God, like, why me? Like, you know, did you cause this disability? Or like, what's going on here? What's your purpose? What's your plan? And it's, it's kind of foggy at first. And um, I think mm-hmm. it's okay to have doubts and it's, it's okay to ask questions but it's not okay to not find the answer out. So if you have those things in your mm-hmm. heart, like you gotta figure that out and search for the answers. And I think um, sometimes God calls us to, you know, if he has an open door, we have to be the one to go into that dark room and turn the light on and and figure things out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, just by like having really great godly mentors in my life and searching for a lot of those questions early on, um, I gave my life to Jesus when I was eight years old, and then I got baptized when I was 11. 
And I still, Hmm. you know, I wrote my story down and I have my first draft of the testimony. It's good to read once in a while because it reminds you, you know, of how much God has done in your life, you know, then and since then. And I'll have people even come up to me now and they'll be like, I remember your baptism. Your story Hmm. brought me to tears and I've never heard anything Hmm. like that. And then it reminds me of, you know, Hmm. I think it's so average, you know. And then it reminds me of like, wow, like that's how God is using my story and my life to impact people Mm -hmm. for the better. Yeah. And you're not just doing it here anymore either. You're kind of spreading your wings a little bit, Annie. And I would love you to share about your um, becoming Miss Wheelchair Wisconsin 2023 and then what your next steps are. Yeah, so... I became Miss Wheelchair Wisconsin 2023 on September 24th of 2022, and it'll go a full year. And basically what I had to do for that is fill out an application. A year later, I got accepted to compete on competition day, and it was like a full day. And I had to write and memorize a speech on my platform, which is caring is caregiving. And I did that speech in front of the audience and judges. And then the judges also, there was like four rounds of judging. And and they would ask you disability-related questions on the spot. And I'd have to answer those. So, yeah, it was a lot of pressure, a lot of competition. um, But I just said, you know, if I win or lose, I know I gave my best. And I was content with that. And lo and behold, I ended up winning the title for this year. And I'm really blessed and honored to have that because even though I was advocating before, I think this title really helps me get my foot in the door and helps um, there to be, be even more representation uh, for the mm-hmm. disabled community. And mm-hmm. so I'm just, I'm really uh, glad to have that. And I guess some of my events, like it started out more interviews, like a bunch of TV interviews and newspaper, magazines, all that fun stuff. And then it moved more into like once the word got out, like people started inviting me to their events. So I've been to like a gala, I've been in a fashion show, I uh, did like a 5K in a wheelchair where someone pushed me. Um, I spoke at the UW Madison Batters Adaptive Leadership and Adaptive Fitness Club. So I spoke to colleges and then educating them on disability topics and um, adaptions and disability. And then I've also gone to um, elementary schools and talked to the kids there. So really just anywhere and everywhere. I've done a total of 33 events so far in my reign. And I just never knew it was going to be that much of an outreach. But every opportunity that came by, I just said, yes, Lord. And I just went for it and gave it my best. And Honestly, I never would have thought the blessing that would come back to me in, in giving so much, especially when talking to the kids at the elementary schools, like their faces would just light up every time you talked about disability. And like, I, you know, I'd be interactive with them and just kind of have fun and just talk about disability and different topics relating to that. And something that just like brought me to tears was, you know, after the presentation, kids would come up to me and just have the biggest smile on their face and they look right at me and they'd be like, I have a disability. And like, you know, they just had a whole new sense of who they were because they were able to see someone that had a disability and Mm -hmm. able to talk about it. 
And it was just so encouraging to see that because instead of feeling different or an outcast, they finally felt like they belonged and that they were seen. Mm -hmm. And to even give them that gift was truly incredible. And it was such, such a gift back to me. I love that you um, shared what the kids were saying. And I was thinking this must be such a gift to them because they love story. Mm -hmm. Story is so powerful and you have such a powerful story. And also you're just radiant. You, you. you have an energy and a, and a charisma that is just contagious. And so I'm sure the children were just riveted mm. with you. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm also thinking of all of us, all of the children who have disabilities that are not seen mm -hmm. and how sometimes, you know, we're always comparing ourselves to the other kids who, who may not have what we struggle with. And yet, you know, we can come up short in those comparisons, but to meet someone who has embraced their disability and, and become competent at managing it, it's just a real source of encouragement. Yeah, so for sure. I'm grateful for that. And I hope you get to talk to more kids and actually mm -hmm. more adults too, because I think it would be really powerful. Yeah. Um, you do have this rank, this competition coming up for Miss America. Yeah. Miss Wheelchair America. Is that yeah. how you say it? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So I know you've been having to work hard just to prepare for that. And when is it? Yeah, so Miss Wheelchair America competition is actually the end of August into September in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I'll be going there. It's actually a week-long competition, and I will present another speech, and um, the judges will ask me more questions on the spot, so there'll be more judging that way. Um, and then they have a bunch of fun activities and workshops throughout the week. And to prepare for that, I... Um, spent 21 plus hours doing an essay, an application, and like answering 193 questions. So yeah, it was definitely a lot of work to even just get into that, even after winning, because you have to be a state title holder, obviously, before competing for the national competition. So I'm excited about mm -hmm. that. I'm ready to go. I've worked hard to be there, and we'll just see what the Lord does. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see you all glammed up again because mm -hmm. you really do get glammed up for these things. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Fun. So tell me a little bit about your advocacy work for the disability community. Yeah, so I started out as a young age just advocating for myself in multiple different situations, whether that's like school adaptions that I needed or, you know, things with my vehicle and driving and or my medical health. And then I was able to take that advocacy and the confidence that it gave me to then um, help other people and advocate for the disability community in general. Um, but I was actually the state and goodwill ambassador for the Muscular Dystrophy Association. So I was really involved with that whole world of nonprofit and charity and fundraising, that whole thing. And I'd like go to galas and I'd sing and I'd speak and just be on TV and do like photo shoots and just like the whole world of that. So I think it would, I think I, I see it now, but I didn't at the time. God was just really preparing me for this moment of being Miss Wheelchair Wisconsin because I have that background 
experience and knowledge. And so I was able to carry that with me mm-hmm. through this title. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to imagine you singing because <laughs> you must have a mighty voice, do you? Or I wouldn't say it's mighty. Yeah. Can you sing one little thing for us? Oh my gosh. I didn't have prepared for this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to if you don't want to. <laughs> I'll, I'll just try, okay? Okay. Okay. Fear you don't own me. You ain't the end of my story. I ain't got time for you telling me what I'm not like you know me. Well, guess what? I know who I am. I know I'm strong. And I am free, got my own identity, so fear you will never be welcome here. Major applause from the people <laughs> on the other side of the microphone. <laughs> awesome. It was a little rough, but I was very much put on the spot. Um, that's a song by uh, Francis Battistelli, so nice. one of my favorite ones. That's beautiful. It's so perfect. I appreciate you rolling with that. That's just, let's just, you know, give you major applause for that too. Um, But you carried it beautifully, by the way. Oh, like I was saying at sporting events and done like the national anthem. And then just like I did this talent show when I was in high school. And then they heard me singing and wanted me to sing at other events. So like, I dabble in it, but I'm not, like, a rock star, you know? Like, I just enjoy singing. I do it in my free time, and I don't know. It's really just a way to connect to and worship God in that way. And I get a mm-hmm. song stuck in my head, and I just like to sing it, so. I think it's fantastic. There's <laughs> one of my coworkers here who walks around singing, and it always lifts my spirits. Yeah. So, Hey, would you like to share a little bit about two things? One is we have an event coming up that you are going to be a part of. And I just wondered if you would like to share what that event is, because even if people hear about the event before or after this podcast is published, um, they'll be able to access that on YouTube, uh, upperhouse.youtube channel. So talk to us just briefly about that. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this event coming up. The Lord has laid it on my heart um, over a year ago to um, have Upper House do a disability-related event because I just felt like that was, you know, a, obviously a community that didn't have much representation in general. And the more we can, more of a voice we can bring to that, um, the better. So uh, this event is called Accessibility in the Church. And um, I will be one of the speakers. And then also Ashley McNary from Heartland Church, who started the Wonderfully Made Ministry, which is a disability ministry there, um, will be kind of like interviewing each other and talking about accessibility in the church and what does that mean and how do we implement that and what are some ideas. So I guess, you know, I feel like this applies to a lot of people because I think people should have disability knowledge in general, which we'll obviously touch on. But if you're involved in in any sort of church, like, you know, whether you're in a congregation or a pastor, this event is for you because we're going to bring some value to your life and, and how you can implement that in your church because, you know, one in four Americans in the U.S. have a disability. 
And so think about how much growth your church could have if you just, you know, made some simple tweaks here and there to um, make your place more welcoming by having it be accessible. And we're going to touch on those topics during that event. So I'm really excited to share with everyone who attends in person or virtually on those things. Mm -hmm. And one other thing I think that Ashley has done is make sure that children have accessibility, that Mm -hmm. all sorts of, um, all sorts of presentations of disabilities um, may require some sensitivity to accommodate, um, provide a sense of safety. And so I think what she's done there has been really creative and it doesn't just affect the individual with a disability, but it affects the people and the family members as well. So there's something Mm -hmm. really beautiful. The church is the family of God. And so ideally we would make sure that every member of the family is made to feel welcome and and safe in that environment. Yeah, for sure. And tell me, um, I think one other thing you and I wanted to be sure we touched on was if members of the disability community are listening to this, you had some resources that you thought might be worth pointing them toward. So what do you think Mm -hmm. are good resources that... Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say these resources are for everybody in the sense where they involve um, disability in the church. So some good ones are Johnny and Friends slash church, and that's going to give you some great um, information on how to make your church more accessible and give you ideas that you probably didn't even consider or think about. So, um, and then also the abilityministry.com and then churchforeverychild.org. So those are the main websites where you'll find a lot of great information. And are people able to follow you anywhere, Annie, on social media? Yes. That's Is that something point. you want to share? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I actually do have um, my Miss Wheelchair Wisconsin Facebook page. So if you search Ms, so MS period, and then Wheelchair Wisconsin America, 2023 hyphen Annie Heathcote. Um, you'll find my Facebook page and I post um, pictures from my events and what I'm doing and just disability education in general. Um, anything to advocate and spread knowledge mm-hmm. so that we can collectively come together and solve um, the inaccessible barriers. Because a lot of times, you know, people look at disability people with disabilities and they're like, oh, you're disabled, you're the quote unquote problem. When really the greatest barriers I feel in my disability are the inaccessibility, like physical barriers around, whether that's like a step to get into a place, Um, you know, a business saying they welcome all, but there's a step and people just step over it without even thinking. And when I see that step, it's like someone saying, you aren't welcome here. And and that can, you know, really hurt somebody. And uh, there's been plenty of situations where I just had to stay outside, almost like a dog, not allowed in the restaurant because I wasn't thought about. And I hoped that no one else feels that way and no one else has to go through that situation. And I think that's one of my whys of why I advocate so much is because I've gone through a lot of pain in my life and discrimination, and I don't want anyone else to 
to feel that way. And so I'll do everything mm-hmm. I can to change that. And I think the other, mm-hmm. um, the other inaccessibility is um, society and how they view disability. There's a lot of biases um, and stereotypes of things that we can and can't do that aren't necessarily true because everyone's disability is so different that we just can't assume. And instead, I would just encourage mm-hmm. people to get to know somebody instead. Like, you know, if you if you're not if you're not sure about disability, it's okay. You can learn. You can grow. You can um, look up resources on the internet. Or I would really encourage people to follow disabled influencers. So not only following me, um, like on Instagram at Annie Heathcote, but also some really great uh, disabled influencers like. Megan Dijonette, Shane Burkaw, Tess Daly. Um, these are all great people. And there's so many more. You could even just look up the hashtag disability. And there's so many people just advocating in their daily life and just showing what it's like to live with a disability uh, day to day. So just mm-hmm. really plugging yourself into that community, even if you don't have a disability. I think it's good mm-hmm. um, to um, lift up the voices of people with disabilities and be an ally in that mm-hmm. way. And because, you know, we need non-disabled people to speak up for us too. you know, speak up mm-hmm. with us because or else change mm-hmm. doesn't always happen because our voices tend to be forgotten. I, I call us the forgotten 20% because we're mm-hmm. the largest minority with the least representation and that shouldn't be that way. Like this month is Disability Pride and Awareness Month and hardly anybody knows about it. And that's something I really want to change because it's such an opportunity to advocate and show what it's like to live life to the fullest with a disability. And so, yeah, I just really encourage people to get plugged in however they can. Mm -hmm. So, Annie, I understand your platform for Miss Wheelchair America is Caring is Caregiving. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I would love to. So caring is caregiving, and it's about educating the, the public on caregiving needs and advocating for the benefits of becoming a caregiver so that we can collectively make a difference in this critical need that people with disabilities face every day. Because honestly, if I didn't have my caregivers, I wouldn't be able to live the ind- independent life that I'm living today. So I'm really thankful for them. And So I would really encourage people to get involved. You don't have to be a nurse. You don't have to be a CNA. Just literally anyone willing to help someone out with their cares. And um, it's really flexible. There's different shifts people have throughout the day. Pretty good pay. And you get to really just have a new friendship and talk to that person. It's it's a really fun job, I'd say. Um, And so places that you can look for jobs that involve caregiving are basically anywhere you would find any type of job. So Indeed, Care.com, um, yeah, Facebook even, the newspaper. People are putting out ads all the time because caregivers are such a huge need. And ever since the pandemic, um, the amount of um, home personal care workers has gone down, unfortunately, mm-hmm. and it's even mm-hmm. harder And so a lot of times uh, people have to rely on family and relatives uh, to Mm -hmm. get that care. And that's not always something that 
people want. And, um, you know, so it's just really important that people come together and just give it a try. And, you know, it might not be for you and you might end up really liking it. And so I'd really mm-hmm. encourage someone to become a caregiver today. And, you know, I actually did it for a while as well. I was a caregiver for one of my neighbors down the street. I would just oh, take awesome. small shifts. Yeah, I know. I I, I was actually really um, blessed by the person I got to know who had Parkinson's disease. And she mm-hmm. was at home and such a competent woman. But because of the disease, she needed extra help. And mm-hmm. I was among her shift workers. And this was actually not even that long ago. This was when I was in between jobs um, before I started working at Upper House. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot about what her daily routine was. And we talked and even, you know, did a little bit of education on technology when she got a new iPad. But there was a lot of variety in the work. And just the companionship of getting to know this woman was actually really special. So... I, I yeah. echo your advocacy for people to become caregivers. I think it's actually something that is underrated in our right. culture as as a job. I'm so happy to hear that you had that experience and that you gave it a try. And it was so rewarding to be a caregiver and help your friend out in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think you also mentioned earlier that this isn't a one-way street. I mean, we're mm-hmm. all people, and once you get to spend more time with people in general, it's very enjoyable. So, yeah, I, I felt blessed to get to know her. And I've also felt blessed to get to know you a little bit better during this session. It's just been a wonderful oh, time. And I want to thank you for bringing yourself and your story. And every time I talk to you, I learn something. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating on your favorite podcast app. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming events on upperhouse.org. The Upwards podcast is supported by the Stephen and Laurel Brown Foundation. It is produced at Upper House in Madison, Wisconsin. Hosted by Dan Hummel, music by Micah Bear, audio engineering by Jesse Koopman, and graphic design by Madeline Ramsey. Please follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn with the handle at Upper House UW.